Alright, we are live. Hey, what's going on, you hot dogs and chili dogs? <laughs> Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast from Apple Idiots. It's episode 250. Hey, by the way, Chad, 250. It's a big number. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Adam, sucking on a chili dog, <laughs> Gumbert. And today we got with us, you've never even been to West Virginia, Chad Michael Ennis. Have I been to West Virginia? I don't know if I've been to West Virginia. I've been roads, through it. take me home to, to the sucking place. on a chili dog. Sucking on a chili dog. Mountain mama. Mountain dude, chili dogs. <laughs> Again. The, the fact that what is it ben mendelson who who did this the chili dog song john mellencamp john mellencamp again <laughs> sucking on a chili fact, dog he literally says sucking on a chili dog which is insane and then john denver who made country roads a song about west virginia not from west virginia it's all very funny is I anyone from west that. virginia though i mean <laughs> i know one guy he's an idiot He's is anyone who can respond person, to us over the internet because of access and technological savvy actually from West Virginia? I feel like West Virginia is a place you escape. Uh, you can <laughs> watch us live on twitch.tv slash It's normally Sunday evenings at 8.30. YouTube and podcast services Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, upcoming on today's show, more talk about Chili Dogs in West Virginia, but also... <laughs> Hogwarts Legacy details. CD Projekt Red has a new project. What? <gasps> Xbox and Sony made studio moves on Ooh. different sides of the spectrum. Ooh. But forget all that. We're going on to the big foot-long cheese coney, the main quest of the show. The Quarry was Very announced, good. and it's the Until Dawn sequel we deserve. <clears throat> From Ryan Didsdale at IGN.com. You think Ryan Didsdale Super- and Ashley Tisdale mm-hmm. are related? Dinsdale and Tisdale? Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> anyone's names who are similar are yeah. probably related. Well, it's like the chipmunks from Disney, right? Chip and Dale. Their names aren't the same, but they're related, right? They are related. And they're also strippers, I believe. Yes. Uh, Supermassive Games has revealed The Quarry, a spiritual successor to Until Dawn, launching June 10th. Oh, that's this year. Uh, as with Until Dawn, the cast is made up of a number of recognizable actors. Um I'm going to read through the story, but let me just say, I'm happy that it's, I, I watched the trailer. I like that it's more in the vein of Until Dawn compared to uh, the anthology series they've been doing. I yeah, can't remember Dark the pictures. name of it. <clears throat> Dark oh, pictures, I didn't even realize is cool. this is not part of the Dark Pictures anthology? This is no, just a, this oh, is its own thing. I didn't realize that. Yes, thank you. Because again, I don't have a problem with Dark Pictures, but I've never played them because they just seem like a lesser budget, you know. Th- that kind of title, but just like smaller. And I'm like, nah, just give yeah. me Until Dawn 2. That's what I really want. Uh, the Quarry is a teen horror where players control nine different characters. They try to survive the last night of summer camp. And like Until Dawn, anyone can live and anyone can die. Uh, Supermassive promises groundbreaking interactive te- uh, storytelling and an unpredictable night of horror with plenty of flirting and fear. Ooh. As relationships between characters are built and broken through intense player-based choices. Uh, director Will Biles told IGN that each character has 10 to 12 different potential deaths. He said the Corey is like, quote, a circular story, and each one of these characters is a spoke heading towards the middle, uh, meaning any of those spokes can be broken without affecting the rest of the narrative. Uh, the game can also be played in co-op. I like this a lot, both locally and on, or online. Uh, the former lets players 
lets each player pick a counselor to control, while online play lets other users watch the playthrough and vote on each decision. I like this co-op stuff. They yep. uh, it also features a star-studded cast involving Scream's David Arquette, also um, TNA's David Arquette, Modern Family's <laughs> Ariel Winter, Detective Pikachu, and um, Jurassic World's uh, Justin Smith. Social Network and fucking Sweet Life of Zack and Cody's Brenda Song, <laughs> Aliens, Lance Hendrickson, and Night on, Nightmare on Elm Street's Lynn Shea. So, what a kick ass one cast. Oh my god, what a good cast. This dropped randomly. Again, I have no problem with Dark Pictures, but I never really wanted to play them. They've even been on Game Pass, and I'm like, ah, this just seems like a lesser version. But I love Until Dawn. So they're like, yo, this is just straight up like Friday the 13th meets you know, hobo, not hobo, uh, hillbilly, hills have eyes sort of a thing. And yeah, that cast is great. And it looks really, really good. Um, yeah. Thoughts from the chili dog himself. I am really, first of all, I think the dark pictures anthology gets a bad rap. I've played two of them. One, one and a half mm -hmm. of them. I've played some of them. I know that for sure. <laughs> and yeah. I think they do some really cool things with, especially like if you're playing online co-op with people, like, I remember Holden and I played the very first one, and it's just, like, the complete different perspectives that you have at the same time. And, like, I'm on a submarine. Very light spoilers for the very first game of the Dark Pictures. Man and I'm on a submarine, like, running away from this monster that's trying to kill the shit out of me. And he's on the other side as this person trying to, like, catch me and calm me down or something like that. As uh, We're friends. Mm -hmm. But I see him as a monster, and he sees me, and then uh, I end up like, I, I think I kill him or something like that, or I have the option to kill him because I think he's a... And all of this happening, like, we didn't know each other. Like, he was chasing me, and I didn't know that he was... Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so, like, they do some really cool things with that kind of asynchronous... It's not asynchronous, really. It's It's at the same time storytelling from different perspectives and you don't know what's happening on the other side of that screen. So like, that's really cool. And to see that that online co-op is also coming to this, um, is cool. Even though this online play looks like it's going to be more of just like a, Hey, watch me do this and tell me what to do rather than, uh, similar to what we just described in the dark pictures. Anyway, I wish more people played those games because I want to play them with people and no one wants to play them. So, I have them all on PlayStation, and I think they have those things where, like, hey, if if one person has it, anyone can play it with you. So, like, if anyone yeah. wants to play, so like you can play on your phone or whatever as a controller or whatever, and that nonsense. No, I think that's different. I think that's there was a different like initiative Sony tried to do with that that Supermassive. I think Man of Medan lets you play on your phone. I double check that for me, but I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, that remote play, whatever stuff. But yeah, I'm with you. This looks cool. Again, yeah. yeah, I didn't play any of those other games because I'm like, it does look cool. They're doing interesting things, but. I just, I want the big budget. If I'm going to spend money on this, I want it to be the big budget cool one. This one looks more like it. So, very excited. Yeah. And, and also, like, gonna, you're checking it out. You load it up and you see David Arquette, and you're just like, I know exactly. The, the very first thing you see is David Arquette, and you're like, all right, this is Dewey. Yeah. This is just going to be Scream again, and I'm so fucking pumped for it. I, I David Arquette is literally a cop. <laughs> yep. He's literally a cop. It's great. Um, and it's not in this story, but I remember hearing or reading somewhere about them developing new technology for like the facial capture and the, mm -hmm. and the performance capture and stuff. So it's going to look real, real solid. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm down for a teen slasher where you make bad decisions and, you know, everyone dies. I don't want Brenda Song to die just because I like her a lot. Yeah. I love how they try to say social network, like Sweet Life of Zach and Cody <laughs> was the jam. Let's be honest. She's great. Um, Do we have details yeah, on man. whether or not this is like Until Dawn was PlayStation exclusive, but everything else after has been 
This um, is on everything. Multi-platform. Okay, good. This is. I will double check the story, Brody. Yeah, I believe this is coming to everything on June 10th. Um, players can see all that. Yep, PlayStation 4 and 5, Series X and S, PC via Steam. So everywhere but the Switch. Rip Switch. Hate to see it. <sighs> but speaking of this cool idea, segment from Adam. Oh. Whoa! Segment from Adam. Segment from Adam. Segment the two bit drop up we Duke's place, yeah. <laughs> Duke Ellington, great. So what I've decided to do, because super massive, I do I do think they make cool games. I like their star list. Mm-hmm. Or the the stars that they get in the, in the game. So segment from Adam, the super massive star list, super a big star list, aka super massive. Here are the stars in the next super massive game that we're making up. So I have prompts. Well, it's just like the game. I have things that can happen. You make decisions, and what's going to happen will affect what the outcome is. So we're gonna we are we'll start here. We have one of uh, three games that we can we can choose to make. Okay. From Supermassive, so you know the style of game, what's going to happen, right? Yep. We're going to make one of two stalking monster movies, so something uh, akin to Alien or akin to Leprechaun. Leprechaun? <laughs> hey, because this one, the first <laughs> okay. movie, the first one, I don't know what the, the first one's like, but this one is definitely Friday the 13th. Like, okay. camp <clears throat> counselor, kids can yep. kill at the lake. So we're going to do one in the style of Alien, Ridley Scott's original Alien, or <laughs> Leprechaun, those 90s awesome movies, or... A Nightmare on Elm Street style movie. So, which of the three kind of movies do or games do you want to make? Or you know, when you say Nightmare on Elm Street, do you mean like dream related? Is that what you mean by that? It will be in the style of Nightmare on Elm Street. So yeah, like a crazy dude kills you in your dreams and ridiculous stuff happens. Yeah, let's go that route because I feel like we've we've had a lot of alien talk over the last couple of months. Let's. Let's no Leprechaun, games. though, huh? No, no, no. We'll pass on Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Leprechaun's so good. Leprechaun in the hood. All right, so we're going to do a Nightmare on Elm Street style game. So, yeah, some kind of dream psychological killer dude okay. kills you in a non-natural way. Um, all right, so I went through a bunch of lists, like Screen Rant, whatever, just did a Google for, like, what are the horror movie tropes? Uh, and I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have a list of eight tropes, but we're only going to cast five people. So okay. I'm going to give you the list. And then you're telling me like, all right, I'm going to start here and start here and start here. And then I'm going to give you what cast we can cast these people from. Well, it'll make more sense in a moment. Okay. But guaranteed in this in this game, like I said, you're going to get five categories you to pick from. Ta- Taika Waititi has to be in the video game. Yes, please. So I'm going to give you the options and then... And Taika Waititi. If you don't pick him for anything, he'll just be the bad guy. It's fine. Okay. Um, and akin to David Arquette and Rami Malek in Until Dawn. Like, he's the big star. All right. <laughs> so our tropes. We have the Harbinger, which is the person is like, oh, man, there be monsters in them hills. And like the, the dude warns everybody. Yep. And then whatever happens. And again, we can play with this. He doesn't necessarily have to die because I know a lot of times like he warns people and then he gets killed by the monster. Whatever. We don't have to do that. We can go crazy. But there's the Harbinger. All right. The pawn, which is the person who starts the events, like, oh, let's open up the box that mm-hmm, the monster's mm-hmm. in and fucking idiot, right? The scholar, so someone who knows what's going on, or the nerd character who's like, oh, you know, I read a book that this thing happens. All right. The hunter stands up and challenges the monster, sometimes wins. So think, um, you know, Ellen or Ripley, of course, from Alien, okay. mm-hmm. you know, a lot of characters, <clears throat> the girl in uh, Freddy versus Jason who stands up to Jason, gets her head knocked off. 
Um, not the one in the sleeping bag. Know. No, not the girl in the sleeping <laughs> bag. Um, the jock, of course, you know, like mm-hmm. the big strong dummy normally gets killed. Mm-hmm. The bad girl or boy. So normally there's a person who like, oh, I do drugs and have sex. Like the bad, the bad right. person, whatever, right. quote unquote. Um, the skeptic, they're like, there's no way that there's an alien here. And just literally like watch people get ripped in half by aliens. No, not aliens at all. <laughs> um, and then the stoner slash comic relief. Of course, we all understand. The silly person, stoner, comic relief. So out of those, where do you want to start? So do you want me to choose the five archetypes first? We're going to choose five out of my eight. Lev- out of my eight okay. And I will tell you who you are allowed to cast from. It'll make sense when you pick one. So go ahead okay. and pick one. Okay. Uh, we're going to do definitely stoner slash comic relief. That's important. So you want to start with there? Yeah. Okay. Stoner slash comic relief is going to be one of the four members of Impractical Jokers or Taika Waititi. So this is... <laughs> I didn't want to just have every actor ever because they would just not make it. You know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So one of the four Impractical Jokers or Taika Waititi get to be the stoner slash comic relief in our horror game. I, I really want Taika Waititi, but also like he could be so many other good things too. He could be a lot of things. Yep. Um, and I don't know if you watch Impractical Jokers, but it's very popular, and I've watched four seasons in a week. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put a. Can we put a pause on this category? Can we come back to this category? Because sure. I might want to use we'll Taika there, but then I might. I might. Okay, use we'll put elsewhere. a pause on that. All right, okay. all right. So, one of your other one. Do you need me to repeat okay. any of the categories, um, or do you no? Have one we're gonna go the scholar. We need a scholar. Gotta have smarts. Scholar. All right. Smart, smart person knows what's going on. Yep. All right. So a James Gunn regular actor okay. or okay. Taika Waititi. This is all. I made a tweet the other day. I thought I'd seen Slither. Apparently I saw. Um, what is that movie? That's Species 2. And I thought it was Slither for the last 20 years. I was completely <laughs> wrong. But whatever. James Gunn has his regular. So, you know, right. uh, Michael Rooker, his That's brother. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Michael yeah. Rooker. Uh, I think that would be a really interesting um, going against type to cast him as the scholar. Uh, so let's do that. Michael Rooker. You know, Michael smart. Rooker is the yeah. scholar. He's the smart boy. In the, yep, in the, he's the smart guy. In the, dude, 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 dude. Smart guy. Great. I love it. All right. So <laughs> everyone write it down. Michael Rooker is the smart guy. Yep. Uh, all right. What do you want to go next? Um, next, we need we need someone really courageous who stands up. We need what are they called? They stand up to him wins sometimes. The hunter. Yep. The hunter. All right. So yeah, stands up and fight the monster. The Hunter is Nick Cage, no matter what. But which performance of Nick Cage are we going with? So any Nick Cage movie, and he has to act like that, but he gets to be the Hunter or Taika Waititi. Oh, man. Uh, all the... Uh, okay. So for, for some reason, all I can think of right now is the Weatherman, and that's not the right Nick Cage. You mean Wicker Man? No, the Weatherman. Oh, no, I've never seen Weatherman. It's, uh, it's you know, he... He's like, oh, he's a family man. And he's like, oh, God, what if I had done something different and I was single and I could have sex with others? And then he, like, actually gets to oh. live out that and realizes, oh, wait, family's much more important. Yeah. Not the right thing for this kind of role. Um, ooh, face Off. We've got Face Off Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, we've got Pig Nick Cage, which apparently is a very, very good movie. And he's a very serious actor. We've got Cage. Johnny Blaze Nick Cage. There are so many Nick Cages. Nick Cage was Ghost Rider, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. That's a badass hunter. What if he could fucking, what if he could turn into Ghost Rider and fight whatever the fuck the monster? Nick Cage is Ghost like in Rider. in the dream? 
Yep. Okay. In the dream. Went, yep. Hey, now let's remember what those movies were in 2003. And that is the exact performance he's giving in this movie. But it's cool because you could have yep. a twist where he turns into a, a skeleton with fire. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just, you know, as uh-huh. a little callback. Saw that movie so Nick Cage doing his Johnny Blaze. Yeah. Nick Cage doing his Johnny Blaze as the, the hunter. All right. So we've got two. Uh, who are you going for next? Um, we need uh, someone to just get completely ripped to shit and, and let us know what the monster's capable of. So we need a pawn. The pawn. Okay. Yep. The pawn is anyone who was a Disney Channel star or Taika Waititi. We can't. We can't do that to Taika Waititi right out the right out the bat. We need him in but the show could. longer. No, we need him in the show but longer. I, I prefer you didn't, but yes. <laughs> Disney Channel star. Disney Channel star. So we're thinking Miley Cyrus. I mean, yeah. Brenda Song was already in the other one, but the the Cole brothers. Um, uh, lit- again, literally anyone who's ever been on a Disney. Uh, fucking Selena Gomez. All is of, it weird all that I just want to see Lizzie McGuire get ripped to shit? Go for it. <laughs> I just want to see Hillary that Duff? bitch burn. Hillary Duff. Hillary Duff. Yep. I don't. Was that Nickelodeon or Disney? No, that it was, was Disney. Disney. That was Disney. Yep. So Hillary Duff is the pawn. <laughs> Gets ripped apart in a dream. That's yeah. great. Okay. <laughs> so that's three. Who else have we got? Um, we still have stoners that we can come back to. I remember okay. at one okay. point. Um, I just feel like giving Taika Waititi. He's already perfect, but then giving him the comedy role, like that's just it feels like it's the right choice. So let's go ahead and, and cement Taika Waititi as the stoner. Taika is as the yeah. stoner guy. Okay. Or the comic relief. Great. All right. We've got one more person left for this super awesome, super massive game. Um, one more person. You mean to tell run through real quick? What yeah, we what do we got left? What do we got left? You've got the Harbinger, who's like, oh, warning, warning, whatever. Right. Um, the jock, the bad boy slash bad girl, and the skeptic. Mm. Okay. We need a we need a skeptic. That's what we need. Someone to skeptic. to be the foil to our scholar to to cast doubt okay. in other people's minds. That's what we need. You're gonna love this one. From this one, it is anybody from what we do in the shadows, the TV show. Yes. Oh God. He, I al I already. So here, here we go. What's his fucking energy vampire? Uh, yeah, Colin, Colin Robinson. Colin Robinson. Colin Robinson. I like, like he already seems like the type of person in real life who you were like, here's irrefutable evidence. He's like, I don't know though. You know, people say it's I'm wrong, sure, guys. Like, who? So I feel like he could be perfect for that. So I'm gonna say Colin Robinson from What We Do in the Shadows. Perfect. Look at the look at that cast list, guys. It's fantastic. Mm. Ooh. So good. Just uh, for some other the other potential ones. Yeah. The Harbinger. I was going to say someone from the cast of Lord of the Rings. Doesn't matter who. It could be anybody. <laughs> Dominique Monaghan is the Harbinger. It's fine. Um, <laughs> the jock was anybody from the MCU. So you okay. could have just okay. done uh, Chris Hemsworth in the same role that he did in uh, Cabin in the Woods. Because he was Rudd, literally the jock no, in Paul Cabin Rudd. in the Woods. Or Paul Rudd would be great. Yeah. Um, and then the bad boy slash bad girl was somebody from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> Very I'm thinking good. Jeffrey Rush is the bad boy. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. just me. All right, so that's it. That's our guy. super massive game. Uh, that's fantastic. Great that's time. a good game. And when does it come out? Uh, June 12th of this year. Oh, Two days after. All right, nice. Gotta nice, get super it done massive. quick. Whew. Don't play Got around with it. Eat a chili dog in between. <laughs> uh, 
Shout Speaking out. of eating chili dogs, we're talking about play, play time. What's going on, Chad? I know someone said they were only here to talk about Destiny, so here we go. Yeah, here we go. We'll start with the, the big guns, the good stuff. Yesterday, Sunday, March 20th. 20th. Yesterday, Sunday, March 20th, was uh, Audrey Watson's birthday. I'm trying to figure out, like, was that dumb to say her full name out loud? Am I doxing her? No. Everyone, if, if you know Audrey Watson, go. I'm not going to say anything offensive or, or that's going to misrepresent her during this segment. She's great. It was her birthday. Happy birthday. And one of the most wonderful things about her birthday is that all she wanted to do was raid for her birthday. She took off several days of work. And she played nothing but Destiny. And then on her actual birthday, we all, six of us, you know how hard it is to get six people with adult lives and jobs and pets and families to get an entire day where all they have to do is eat bagel sandwiches and cinnamon rolls and pizza and play Destiny? Like, that's, that's tough to do. And we, we started our start time because we're six adult people who have those kinds of lives. We started our start time, got up at 7 a.m. Pacific. 7 a.m. for this shit. Immediately, Joel's like, hey, y'all, I'm going to be an hour late. I'm like, fuck, okay, I'm going to lay down and look at my phone for an hour. Got some bagels, sent pictures to each other, got real big boners, and then said, let's go. So we jump on. We spend a total of like 10 hours. And on a, on a good day, on a good day, we will usually like spend a night or a day beating one raid. Mm-hmm. It takes us sometimes like, I think our fastest raid clear is like, an hour 45 and then our our like usual is more like two and a half hours three hours so that's that's some context we fucking blew through three raids adam three Mm -hmm. raids including this week for the very first time we cleared the new raid the vow of the disciple which i had talked about last time i was like hey yeah we got close blah 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 tuesday night our plan was, all right, we want to raid for Audrey's birthday. We want to beat this raid. What if we can just, like, make a little bit of progress? Jerrica can't make it, but we'll have this random new Neil stand in who's pretty good, and, and we'll have him kind of just run through an encounter or two. We fucking ended up beating it in two and a half hours. We beat the whole new raid on Tuesday night while Jerrica's laying in bed listening to us win the raid without her because Audrey and Jerrica <laughs> oh, no. live together. Um, yeah. It was fantastic. Freaking loved it. And then we, we said, hey, Jerrica, we saved the checkpoint for you. And Jerrica said, fuck that. I want all the gear. Let's do it again on Sunday. So we did the whole raid again on Sunday. It was glorious. We got so many things. I got the brand new raid exotic on the very first try, which Ooh, was, I mean, we, for, for, like, for reference, we've done Deep Stone Crypt, which is the Beyond Light raid from last year. We've done that 15, 16 times. And most of us don't have it. I do. I have it. I have it tomorrow. But yeah, most people don't. So the fact that I got on the first time means I'm pretty fantastic. So that's dope. Freaking loved it. Already made a new raid poster. Actually, I don't think I've ever told anyone in the world on this podcast. I'm, I'm making like posters that kind of go along with each raid that we've done. And then like uh, eventually I'll print them on some of these big metal things behind me and hang them up and it'll be cool. Anyway, uh, so that was dope AF. And then we're like, what do we want to do now? We're rolling. We got all this momentum. Uh, and then we had to take a sponsored Domino's Pizza break because we are sponsored by Domino's Pizza during raid time. Uh, not Papa John's. One. Oh, no, no, not, not Papa John's. Papa John's big old racist pizza. Um, so He's been gone for a while, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do Domino's. Uh, and by that, I mean only Dallas went and got Domino's, but we talk about it every time. 
Yeah. I had M&M's, a brand new Raid snack. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen. I think they're brand new. I don't know if you've ever seen Crunchy Cookie M&M's. Mm-hmm. I've seen them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Light blue bag. Uh, they're like crispy M&M's, but the middle is like sugar cookie flavored. Mmm. Mm. Very good. At like top two M&M flavors. Peanut butter. Oh. Crunchy cookie. It's the first time I've ever Crunchy had cookie. them. Right. Here's another thing I did. Make a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> Put M&M's all over it. Absolutely. You're already eating candy. Am, might as well. That was my raid snack in the middle of, between raids two and three was a peanut butter and M&M sandwich. <laughs> because I'm, I'm four years old and I drink a lot of Mountain Dew that day. Anyway, so yeah, we, we spent, I don't know, 10 or 11 hours that whole day beating three raids. It was fantastic. I would say four hours of it was us Someone saying, I'll be right back. And they go, I don't know, walk a dog or pee or help someone carry paint in from a car or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And then someone gets back and then someone else says, oh, I'll be right back. So a lot of it's just like us hanging out and chatting while people continue to be right back. But it was still a blast anyway. And I loved it. I loved them. Fantastic. Highly recommend. It's an excellent way to to spend your birthday. Um, a lot of people are like, let me go to McDonald's and we'll play race cars in the, the between the tables and wear crowns and shit. You never had a McDonald's birthday? Sounds like a Burger King birthday to me, but all right. I, I don't know. I w- I've only seen no? rec- film like recordings of my brother and sister's uh-huh. birthday at McDonald's. I never oh, had one myself. Okay. You see, you have to go to Sonic because you can get a chili dog. <laughs> you can get a chili, chili dog, dog birthday. Dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, how weird is it that there aren't hot dogs at other places? Yeah, it's like the only place you can get a hot dog. It's really weird. Right. So yeah, Destiny 2. It was a grand old time. Grand old flag. High flying flag. And then I played two more things. I tried to make myself, outside of those two raid days, Tuesday and Sunday, I tried to force myself to not play Destiny. So of course mm-hmm. I played Destiny a little bit more. And then I played Elden Ring. I finally beat Margit, that first like yeah. non-optional first boss. boss. Spanked it right in the patootie. Uh, beat it. I only I only took like five or six tries on it because I'm a freaking boss. So, but I'm also I did too, a magic but no build. big deal. Are you are you doing magic? Are you doing cutty cutty sword axe things? Cut 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 cut. Well, mm-hmm. whatever. People people like to shit on magic users in Souls games, but here's what I've got to say to you. Um. We picked the right tools for the job. Everyone's like, oh, you use magic. All you got to do is stand back and cast spells, and it's easy as shit, and you're not really hardcore. And I, you know, it, you went to a fight, and you brought the hardest thing to win that. Here's, here's what I said. Here's what I did. Okay. Let's pretend mm-hmm. we're doing surgery. I walk in. I have a full set of good tools, like scalpels and whatever you use to tie off intestines if you're cutting the intestine or tie off artery. Rubber bands. I bring yep. those things. Yeah, rubber bands. Yeah. I bring all those things. And someone who's like, oh, I'm going to come in and I'm going to make this hard on myself by bringing like freaking twigs and Swedish fish to clog up the arteries instead of tying them off with a rubber band. Swedish like, I just bring the right tool for the job. That's why the thing's easy. I don't like to do this unnecessary, stupid challenge of making the game hard mm-hmm. for no reason. No, magic. So, yeah, cool. I have a second right? character who's magic. I just haven't played as much as did with the samurai. Nice. And then I played Tunic. I completely forgot that this game was coming out, and it dropped out of nowhere on Game Pass this week. So it's it's mm-hmm. included with your Game Pass subscription. I still had a three-month code from Black Friday that I hadn't redeemed yet, so I 
put a new code Ooh. in, downloaded Tunic, and I freaking love it, Adam. This to me is, it's uh, for anyone who's not familiar, it's your little adorable fox, and it is heavily inspired by The Legend of Zelda, the top-down Legend of Zelda games. The good Zelda games. The good ones, yeah, the good ones. Not no Skyward Shore shit. Um, but it's impossible to talk about this game without also talking about Death Store, which came out last year, because I feel like these two games are so similar in what they're trying to do, but they take slightly different approaches. I feel like they're both a blend of traditional Legend of Zelda and Dark Souls-type formula, mm-hmm. where... Um, Death's Door leans a little bit more towards the Dark Souls, where it's it's a lot more unforgiving with combat, and combat is why it's difficult. Like, you can only take, like, three hits or something like that before you're completely dead in that game unless you have a spawn point. There's the risk-reward of, like, your souls or whatever it is. I forget the currency that you accrue that you can lose. Um, and it's kind of lighter on the puzzle and dungeon elements. Whereas Tunic so far, I've beat the first boss, spent about two and a half hours in it. Tunic so far seems a lot more... Uh, focused on the puzzle elements of the game. And combat is is definitely a little bit more difficult, but you have plenty of like health potions that you eventually pick up and find, and you can use those. Mm. You can increase your health uh, pretty well, too. And there are a lot more upgradable things. So I feel like it leans more into the, the dungeon-style puzzles of Legend of Zelda. But what I love about Tunic is that there's not like... In Zelda, there's, there's an overworld that has like very few, if any, puzzle elements to the overworld. It's just like, go to this area of the map, find a dungeon, do the puzzles around it. Go to this area over mm-hmm. here, find this item that lets you do that. Whereas Tunic, like the whole fucking overworld is a puzzle. It's all, mm-hmm. it's, it's all a giant dungeon with smaller dungeons in it, which I really enjoy. And there are even parts of the overworld in a, in a Souls-type fashion where you have to like unlock shortcuts to be able to get back to something easier. If you die and you respawn at one of these statues and you've unlocked the bridge or you've opened up the door or something like that. Uh, so I'm really enjoying that a ton. If you are... It, it is... I feel like it's grown-up good Zelda. Like, Legend of Zelda, I feel like, hasn't quite hit the mark for, for a while. We all know how I feel about Breath of the Wild. Link's, a- Link's Awakening was cool, but it was, again, it was a Game Boy game that was just up-res... Not up-res, but new art style. But like this is, I think, the very first good Zelda game in a long time, and it's Tunic. It's not even Zelda, but it's obviously takes so much inspiration from it. So I like that game a lot. I'm excited to continue playing it. Apparently, the game is, according to how long to beat, it's like 15 hours. But John from Pixel Street beat it in five because he had guides open and was just using them the whole time because some of these puzzles just can be kind of difficult. So that's like 10 hours of just racking your brain trying to figure out puzzles, but. I'm excited for it. Cool. I have it downloaded. I just haven't started it, but I do have it downloaded on the Xbox. Uh, last thing about um, last thing about Elden Ring. Dallas says, how many ashes do you use? Honestly, I don't even know how ashes work yet. I have one equipped to a fast item, and every time I use it, the guy just like scratches his butt and goes, what? And, and he doesn't use it. Well, so, not here. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand where they are or how they work. So no ashes, Dallas. I don't use ashes because I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> that's what all my magic power goes to is summoning ashes it's like i've got just enough just enough magic power to be like <laughs> either like here's a magic sword or here's my buddy with an arrow that's what my my magic my mana goes to nah. that's a good time uh for me though th- this is a real funny one right so infernax we've been talking about it it's the castlevania like oh, right, game right, 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 right. that came out on 
Game Pass stuff a little while ago. So I've been doing my game, uh, my Game Pass quest, right? Where it's like play a game, da da da, whatever, all that stuff. They've pulled it back where it's like super super easy now compared to what it used to be. Um, so I played Infernax. I'm like, I just need to get an achievement because that's one thing you need to do every week. I'm like, I've never played it, so maybe if I you know beat the first boss or whatever, I'll get achievement turns out you don't actually need to get achievements anymore to get points uh but i still played it and had a good time with it i'm definitely gonna go back it's very cool i didn't realize there was like game altering decisions like there are multiple endings to that video game so i'm gonna go through and be an evil paladin because that sounds fun um i also played shredders which was the snowboarding game which oh, feels that's very right. much somebody like else mentioned that recently and i was like what the hell is that yeah it feels very much like skate but snowboarding and How does it compare solid, cool. to 1080 snowboarding on Nintendo 64? Because that is the gold I mean, standard in snowboarding. That was 20 years ago. I couldn't tell you what 1080 snowboarding Damn feels it. like anymore. Damn it. Um, but it's, it's solid, especially also literally every game I talk about is on Game Pass. So whatever, try it out for free if you want to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge snowboarding dude. So like I was having a good time, but I'm, you know, we'll see if I stick with it. I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. It's just a new thing. Um, and this last one. I don't even know how to say the name. I've never I, heard to say it out In my loud. head, I'm saying Nihilbuk. <laughs> it's so fun to say in my brain and just as fun to say out loud, I just discovered. Yeah, I have no idea what, uh, yeah, I played a game called The Dungeon of Nihilbuk, The Amulet of Chaos, which is the most ridiculous title ever. It was one of those where it's just like, oh, now on Game Pass or whatever. And apparently it's been a PC game that people like, but it's just like a tactical dungeon crawler, but like silly, like they cuss a lot. Like all the time, there was like, oh, what the fuck? There's chickens. It's it feels like fable, um, like comedy style, okay, like, with cussing, and it's like fine. But I just wanted a I wanted a podcast game, which everyone knows where it's like I want a game that I can just play and literally have it on like five percent volume, yeah, because I want to listen to a podcast. I'm like that was what I, that's what I did. Like I think the game's fine. I think if you like dungeon crawlers with a you know D and D type of classes and stuff, and they I cuss. Do. It's you know I also it's like cussing. Um, I love cussing, but yeah, I played like fifteen hours of that, and I think I'm pretty far into it. But I think it's an like all right game. But I'm like, I really just want to catch up on my fantasy football podcast, so I need something easy <laughs> to play while I do that because I had like twenty episodes to catch up on. So uh, yeah, I didn't really play a ton. I'm gonna need to get back to Elden Ring one of these days. I'm at the place with the academy, but I just stopped playing. I'll get to it. You know, I don't, I'm waiting I don't for it to die now because there was a freaking huge patch that completely changed everything, made magic better. They were like, oh, we had a bunch of quest lines that literally just weren't complete, but now they're complete now. <laughs> go, go play them. It's like, what? So I'm just, I'm going to keep playing Elden Ring, but I'm not, you know, furiously masturbating to it like uh, other people are. Yeah, I'm <laughs> playing like, I'm playing like an hour and a half, two hours a week right now. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm just playing a couple hours, like clearing out a couple dungeons to keep moving. But that's it for me. Not a ton. I, a lot of HBO Max, boy. Let me tell you, my yeah, favorite thing. Good. HBO Max and uh, Disney Plus. <laughs> Rewatching all the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I'm on Hell number four. Yeah, I, I'm gonna finish number five tonight. Probably having a good time. Just because our flag means death got you really excited for pirates again? No, I just wanted to watch Jeffrey Rush. Okay, um, okay. Our flag means death is also interesting me in pirates. You're not wrong. I love all pirate things. I literally just Google pirate movies. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, because you pirate heard of the Pirate Bay. Oh, yeah, I don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, that's it. All right. Going to move on to our quest log in these old country roads in West Virginia. <laughs> and we're going to start with Hogwarts Legacy State of Play details. Woo! Boom. 
All right. This is from GameSpot. Okay. okay. Um, we got our first detailed look at Hogwarts Legacy during a stony, stony Jesus fuck <laughs> in heaven. J.K. Rowling sucks, by the way. Every article you yep. read about this, they're like, hey, the game looks cool. J.K. Rowling's trash. And that's true. She's a trash person. Just putting yep. it out there. Uh, we got our first detailed look at Hogwarts Legacy during a stone, Sony State of Play <laughs> presentation. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. I, I was listening to Kind of Funny, um, and Kevin couldn't say Suicide Squad. He just kept saying, like, Suicide Squad over and over again. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing with Stony State of Play. 20-minute uh, presentation showed off how you'll create your student, explore the grounds of Hogwarts. Participate in classes <laughs> and do combat against enemies. Uh, you begin the game as a new student in Hogwarts, starting as a fifth year uh, student behind your classmate's skill level. You'll get sorted into one of the four iconic houses, meet up with the classmates, attend various type of classes, practice your dueling skills. Um, as the presentation noted, that takes place in the 1800s, so you won't see familiar uh, professors. Um, but you may see some characters, basically the ghosts, because like, they've been dead. You can see the ghosts. They hang out with nearly headless Nick. Uh, you explore the castle, you'll solve puzzles. Uh, discover dungeons and the passages. You'll need to grow plants, brew potions in your free time. Area, area around Hogwarts is particularly dangerous and meant to test your skills. In combat, you'll have both offensive and defensive spells, as well as the ability to enhance or enchant or stun item or stun enemies with items like a mandrake root. So there's a lot. This is like a 20 minute yeah. video. I just watched it a little bit ago. I will just go ahead and say real quick before you get into it. Uh, I wasn't, I was like, so there's been a lot of stuff, of course, with J.K. Rowling. People don't like her. Even fucking Warner Brothers is like, she basically doesn't exist. They don't want anything to do with her. <laughs> yep. So I'm like, there's a lot of discourse, people going back and forth. Like, should you like it? Should you not be allowed to like it? Da, 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 whatever. I was like, eh. I was like, eh, on the game in the first place. I'm like, that sounds cool, but we didn't have seen anything about it. And then I watched, actually watched the state of play and I was like, oh, fuck, that game actually looks pretty interesting. So we'll see how we handle this. Um, but I think it looks cool. And I'm just very, I love that the combat. It's just like you have a fucking a block and a counter in a fucking spell casting game. You can just counter and combo people. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it looks cool. Uh, I wasn't expecting that, but you at chat, I'll stop cutting you off. I the the first thing I want to mention is I'm so excited about the setting of it. Obviously, yes, Hogwarts like physical setting, but also the fact that it's in the 1800s. Because like, what a better way? There's no better way to embrace the world of Harry Potter without the baggage of the character of Harry Potter. Like, mm -hmm. like, I that character is is poo poo, especially the movie version of Harry Potter. He's he's only poo poo, and I hate him, and he's stupid. But I fucking love the world that this trash woman has built and all of the things around it. So I'm very excited for this to be able to experience all this magic and potions and werewolves and all this shit around Hogwarts mm. without having to worry about ooh, is the person gonna look like Daniel Radcliffe? Radcliffe? What about all the other characters? Are they going to get the original voice actors? Oh, I can't compare this person to the movie person. Like, I'm glad that's not going to be part of the conversation. Second, the more I watched this thing, the more I was like you. I was like, I am impressed. I already mm -hmm. was in because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, despite the trash woman that makes it. But I was not expecting the depth of the combat. Like, I knew you were going to walk around and, like, oh, you'll brew potions and you'll be able to, like, take classes with your professors and uh, do all that kind of shit. But then the combat system, just getting more and more in-depth, and you can use all of these different spells. There are different ways that you can uh, levitate people uh, and different offensive ways without also using the, the unforgivable curses as well. So, like... You're not using the Cruciatus Curse or, like, killing people with Avada Kedavra. Like, you're not us using all of these things, but... It is 
still really, really cool and unique how they do it. But what I also love about it is with all the different types of spells that you get, like there are so many different ways that you can go about vanquishing your enemies. Like you can you can pull shit in and throw it at them, kind of control style mm. using Accio. You can uh, lift people up and you can set them on fire. You can use water. Like you, there are so many different things that you can do with these spells. And I'm just excited to like explore all the different combinations of things. Um, I'm sure there's some way that you could like use Engorgio like to set a little flame and then make it huge and then everyone gets caught on fire. I'm sure there's all types of shit like that. And that already got me excited. And then they're like, in addition to spells, you can also do shit like making mandrake roots and you take it out of your pocket and it starts screaming and everyone is stunned for a second. I was like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. And then they're like, also, there are potions that can augment your abilities and make you faster or stronger. And I was Stone like, oh skin my God. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah pretty cool. And, and, and they showed like the invisibility cloak. So I'm sure there's going to be like different stealth things that you can do. And it... It, the more I see of it, the more I just get so freaking jizzed for it. I'm so it's very excited. impressive. Yeah, way more impressed than I thought it was going to be. I was like, yeah. it'll probably be cool. I was like, oh no, like they were like them that at by the end of that 15 minutes, I was like, fuck, that looks really good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, shit. yeah. That and then I good. immediately read like three other articles about like should I support this game despite its author, and and I came to the conclusion personally based on some stuff that like, yes, there are a lot of studios and people whose livelihoods depend on the success of this game. And I also came to the conclusion that like, this bitch is already one of the richest people on earth and she's made $670 million as like her net worth or something like that. Like, there's not much I can do to put a dent in that, but I can support yeah. all these other people who are making a fantastic game despite the shitty IP that, or the shitty person that's created the IP. Yeah, we'll see when it comes out, but I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. Like, she's probably got paid for the licensing for the game. So I understand if you don't want to play it, that's completely fair. Me, I'm still like, we'll see when I get there. But I also don't blame anyone who also just is like, hey, she sucks, but I still like the thing that she made. Because I was thinking, it's like, when you go through it, and if you really sit down, and she's especially worse because she's still alive, and she's like constantly mm. saying it. But if you look through anything that's created, art or otherwise... And you're like, I'm only going to like things that good people made. You will have zero things to watch, read, or play. Exactly, so that yeah. Is, like uh, even like Bloodborne, the all the monster designs are based on like HP Lovecraft type stuff, who is like famously Lovecraft a huge old racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I support you, whatever your decision is. But I will say, regardless of the decision that you make, the game does look cool. So that it does look cool. Very good to see. You know what's surprising, though? It might mm -hmm. not still look cool on Nintendo Switch, which it is coming to. And not version. even in like a cloud version type thing. It is natively going to run on Nintendo Switch somehow. And Lord help that version of the game. I'm sure it's going to be terrible. I'm sure it's going to look like mud. It's going to be awful. Yeah, we'll see. I know I'll be playing it on a next-gen console, so uh, yeah, I'm not too. worried about that. But that was wild when they announced that. I was like, okay. I'm like, cloud version? Nope, not cloud. All right, cool. <laughs> Either way, it looks really cool. I'm very excited. Um, also, speaking of things to be very excited about, this person has never eaten a chili dog before. A new Witcher <laughs> game was announced. Darren Bonthuis at GameSpot. CD Projekt Red has announced a new game in the Witcher series is in development. Ooh. Unlike previous games, development uh, will move from the Red Engine to Unreal Engine 5. All the fucking super nice, super pretty new engine that... I don't think there's really any games made for it yet. Uh, as part of a multi-year strategic partnership with Epic Games, CD Projekt Red says that it will closely collaborate with Epic Games developers to help tailor the engine for open-world experiences, which is good. 
Um, one bit of trivia that can be gleaned from the teaser image. So I would say, everyone, go on CD Projekt Red. There is a single image announcing it. Um, Chad, if you want to click the thing, if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but for everyone, go look up this thing. Uh, one bit of trivia gleaned from the image. Uh, Games Radar, Leon Hurley spotted. It hints that Witcher's protagonist, Geralt's former protege, Siri, being the start of the new game. So basically, it's a medallion in the snow with blood on it. But it's a cat medallion. Which apparently Siri gets at a certain point. Your medallion is the school of Witcher that you're in. So it's like, oh, Siri gets that. So gotcha. maybe you play a Siri, which would make sense because, I mean, she set up to be a main character. Or it could just be in the past. I don't know. We'll see. We don't know because it doesn't seem like it'll be a Geralt. You know, maybe he'll be in the game, but I don't think he'll play as Geralt after three. Uh, according to Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney, the, col- the collaboration with CDPR will push the limits of interactive storytelling and gameplay together, while also benefiting the developer community for years to come. CDPR did know that The Witcher won't be an Epic's Game Store exclusive, indicating it will be able on the PC storefronts as well as when uh, when it eventually launches. So yeah, even though Epic's helping them out and they're helping out Epic, it's not exclusive, So which is, I think it's a good thing, because uh, Epic Game Store is fine. That's yeah, whatever. But... <laughs> New Witcher thing. Uh, how do you feel? I don't know if you liked Witcher 3 or not. I don't remember. I, I, I enjoy... I had fun watching the show. That's like my my only Witcher knowledge comes from the show. And so when you said Siri might be the main character, I was like, that fuck, I hated her in the show. And I wanted much more of the other girl who is the magic-y one. Yennefer? Um, Yennefer, yes. That's who, that's who I wanted mm-hmm. to learn more about. Um, but... So and then when it comes to the games, I'm one of those people like most of the Assassin's Creed games and The Witcher, where it's like if there are hundreds of hours of things to do and there's no end in sight, and like that's a complete turnoff for me. And I, I don't, I'm not the type of person who's like I just want to exist in this world and make it like even Red Dead Redemption Two. It's like I don't want that. I want very clear objectives and I know what to do and maybe a couple side things if I'm bored or I'm curious. But yeah, so The Witcher scared me off. I've watched Holden play like an hour and a half of it, and I know that it's a very good game and people love it, but uh, I have not personally tried to play it because it doesn't seem like it's a game for me. Mm-hmm. I will say that Siri in The Witcher 3 games, much better than the one in the show. I hate that. Well, I mean, she's annoying because that's the characters. Uh, no, <laughs> Siri in the game's awesome because it, it's also an adult Siri. She's like in her 20s compared to being like a teenager in the show. Um, series really really good in the game I like her a lot and her backstory and all that shit's really cool uh, I'm very excited Witcher 3 is one of the best open world games ever made uh, it is also like you said it is very long very like live in the world kind of a thing but it, it hit for me and I, I was super into it so we'll see especially Unreal Engine 5 because we're going to start getting games in that engine and it's going to be real pretty and real nice and it, this game is fucking seven years away or whatever but yeah. uh, <laughs> I will well, definitely play it when it comes out that's part of part of the, one of the benefits of switching to Unreal. And it's, I saw Jason Schreier tweet that mentioned there was another studio I can't remember. Maybe it was maybe it was uh, Mass Effect moving away from their engine and move, and adopting Unreal as well with the next mm-hmm. game. It's like one of the benefits is like you don't have to learn the engine. And when you come up come across a a thing that you need to troubleshoot or you're not sure about, like there it is very well documented. So like that can help speed up the production process. Maybe it's not going to take seven years for you to develop a new engine yourself and make sure that it runs and then figure it out all on your own and troubleshoot it. Like you're going to have support there and with yeah. tools that have been industry tested and, and are very kind of cutting edge. So it might not be seven years away since they're maybe not, maybe something. five or six because yeah, they are saying like, we're going to help Epic tell people how this engine works for open world games. So it seems like they're one of the first people. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, regardless, it seems like, 
the more common engine that people use is Unreal compared to like you have to use Frostbite. And they're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. do that. Um, Everything I've heard about Frostbite yeah. is like everyone fucking hates using Frostbite. Please, it's good for Battlefield God, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all right, I'm very excited. Let's go. Love Witcher. And then by the time this game comes out, maybe Henry Cavill series will be over, has run its course, and then you can just Henry Cavill. Actually, there's already a skin where you can play Henry Cavill's fucking Witcher in Witcher 3. But anyways. Uh, all right. PlayStation buys a studio, and it's called <gasps> Haven Studios. Ooh. What have they done, Henry Adam? Cooch. What games has Haven Studios done? We'll get to it. Uh, it's from Eddie McCooch at GameSpot. Uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment is buying gaming veteran Jade Raymond. So there we go. That's the name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jade Raymond's new studio, Haven, in a move that comes after the two companies announced plans to work together on a new IP. This new IP is a AAA multiplayer experience, in quotes. Oh, that's in quotes, for PS5. <laughs> so this was Jade Raymond's, like, I'm making a, uh, an indie studio. Or Jade Raymond's, like, I'm starting a studio after leaving Stadia because Stadia didn't make anything. Yeah. Um, Jade Raymond... Um, Assassin's Creed uh, worked at Ubisoft for a long time, I believe, and made like a lot of the major franchises there. Um, so Jay Raymond Studio got bought by PlayStation. PlayStation's Herman Helst uh, made the announcement on PlayStation blog today. Jade Raymond, a uh, quote, Jade Raymond brings a wealth of experience from her industry achievements and an infectious passion for creating games. And the leadership team at Haven is an equally impressive group of industry veterans who have collaborated on some of the biggest and most beloved games and franchises that many of us still enjoy today. Uh, Herman Hulse said. As for Haven's first game, Hulse didn't give anything away, but said the company was on board for the first pitch. I would hope that you... (laughs) We hate your first game. We're going to buy you anyways. Uh, Hulse said PlayStation was inspired by Haven's vision for creating a modern multiplayer experience that brings gamers together in positive and meaningful ways. Also sounds like the Bungie thing. Uh, Whatever the game is, Haven's first project will be a live service experience for PlayStation built upon a systematic and evolving world focused on delivering freedom, thrill, and playfulness, Sony said. Raymond, here we go. Raymond, a former Assassin's Creed boss who started Haven after leaving EA and Google, said the team at Haven has already made amazing progress on the game and establishing a new team. So, PlayStation bought up another studio that they work with, Jade Raymond's team, uh, making a live service game, which again, we, you know, uh, Sony bought Bungie a little while ago, so they're trying to make a bunch of multiplayer experiences in the coming years. So there's the news for that. But, like you said, technically Haven Studio hasn't made anything yet. But right. still, I think it's a pretty good signing. It's it's interesting that that's my first reaction upon hearing this is like they bought Haven Studios. And then I was like, why do I know that name? And then I looked into it. I was like, oh, oh, that's Jade Raymond Studio that literally has existed for a few months. Well, not a few mm-hmm. months, like almost a year now. But I was like, damn, that's a lot of trust to put in that one person. But then I then I reframed how I thought about it. I was like, what about like Kojima Productions? I mean, that, you know, Kojima had a reputation that he had built up against across the games that he had made. And then when he left Konami and started his own thing, this is like, what if PlayStation had bought that? And that's totally justifiable. And I would understand that. So this is kind of the same thing. Jade Raymond is a person that Sony trusts, has made uh, really good choices and has helped start some of the biggest IP that you know in gaming. So uh, it makes sense that PlayStation would want to work really closely with Jade. So I'm excited for whatever comes of this. And I am curious we'll say we're i'm curious about whatever bringing gamers together in positive and meaningful ways that deliver freedom and thrill and playfulness like i have no idea what that looks like in gaming and i'm excited for her to show me what it looks like uh and hopefully it's some something like brand new that completely you know like if you think about 10 years ago live service gaming was not a thing and now we're just like a staple hopefully this will be something like that 
it's a brand new genre. Those, the, all those bud were, uh, buzzwords were like, uh, what, what was it? You're like positive, da 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 da, connecting players. I'm like, oh, that just sounds like Death Stranding, uh, too. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I remember Kojima used a lot of the same buzzwords, but not only yep. was that. I think it's good. There's a thing with Jane Raymond that I also feel about uh, Amy Henning because it's like worked at EA, worked at Google. It's like these people who are like big names in the industry just haven't made games in ten years because things yeah. just keep happening. Um, so yeah, I hope she finally gets to make a game because. Everyone likes her. She's a big name. So like, yeah, Sony, get my back and I will make a thing finally. Fucking for God's sake, let me make a video game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, good for her in the studio. And also, um, they were talking about uh, first Sony-owned studio in Canada, which is oh. a big deal because there's a lot of talent in Canada. Yeah. You think about it, Ubisoft and basically every major publisher has teams in Canada. So yeah, very, very cool. Uh, speaking of another studio thing at the other guys over at Microsoft, mm. uh, Perfect Dark sees staff departures. This is from Matt Persolo at IGN.com. A new report suggests that Microsoft's The Initiative, the studio uh, developing a reboot of Perfect Dark, has suffered Perfect Darp, Dark, <laughs> has suffered a significant staff departures over the past 12 months. Staff are apparently leaving the company due to, quote, a lack of creative autonomy and slow development progress, end quote. Uh, the report from VGC is compiled from interviews with unnamed ex-initiative employees and analysis of the studio structure. And notes that around 35, uh, 34 excuse me, people have quit within the last year, including much of the senior design team. Uh, reasons given for staff departures predominantly include a feeling that the studio was not a collaborative place to work. It was apparently built in a top-down hierarchy, starting with Nurberger and studio head Daryl Gallagher. We'll talk more about Nurberger in a second. That's These are the ex uh uh, Crystal Dynamics guys who came mm, over that's to right. run the studio, which all the story starts to make sense when you put all the things together. Um, uh, who heavily dictated the creative decisions. Uh, staff apparently felt unheard by the seniors on issues such as development priorities, project planning, and team staffing. The alleged result of this was a project that developed painfully slow and a lack of company culture. VGC sources claim that the culture problem was part of a reason for bringing Crystal Dynamics on board as collaborative studio. Gallagher and Newberger were previous studio head and game director at Crystal Dynamics, and it was hoped that the team familiar with their management methods would work well with them. The report sources suggest that the large change of staff, the inclusion of Crystal Dynamics may have triggered an internal soft reboot, and that final release uh, may still be a few years away. So, a lot of information about uh, what's going on at the initiative. Do you have... What's your what's your thoughts on this? I got some things that are interesting, and I think I got some positives and negatives from the story. But we'll see. What do you think? Uh, it it totally makes sense. It, it's difficult to to integrate people who uh, have worked at different companies, who have different ways of working and different work styles, and then suddenly get bought sometimes against their will, and maybe they weren't included in that, and they're not happy about working in this new place together. So, like, to bring all of these industry veterans together from all of these different outside places and then try to establish some brand new culture while also creating a quadruple A experience, as they said themselves, I can definitely understand how there's going to be some butting of heads. Um, and it's interesting that, like, it seems like one of their solutions was, oh, let's bring in a team that has worked with these folks and maybe we can just model our culture over the relationship that we have together with Crystal Dynamics. So I was like, I don't know if that's if that's just saying, hey, we are going to force this as our team culture and everyone else. It's something I feel like you need to, you need to develop as a team rather than saying, let's just copy and paste what worked over here for this group of people onto this brand new initiative team. So uh, I hate that people feel like they 
are in a less than ideal environment for them to work in, that it's not collaborative, and that I, they're obviously fleeing the initiative to uh, find something that's a better fit for them. And um, hopefully that doesn't impact Perfect Dark too badly because I really, really enjoyed that the original Perfect Dark game and I was really looking forward to this one. But, but I'm curious what you think. We'll see. I got a couple things that are, again, I said I'm on both sides. Uh, number one, I'm not, I, I'm not uh, super excited for Perfect Dark. The minute they were like, oh, the initiative, this quadruple A studio. And I was like, cool, are they making Perfect Dark? I don't know if I care. <laughs> um, again, I hope they prove me wrong. So starting from there, I'm like, I already don't care uh, about the IP. I'm still interested in the studio. So um, the whole thing about the studio culture, which, yeah, it makes sense. It's literally, so they basically took like, hey, the guys from Crystal Dynamics, you guys, that's the way that they, that's why they brought, that's why I feel like they brought crystal dynamics over to help them remember that story happened months ago it's like oh what's going on it's like this is the this is this is how these guys do it they're like hey this is how we want to do it so we're bringing our people over that know how we work together which i don't think necessarily is a bad thing because if you're if you are the person leading the team and you feel like these are the people that i work well with that's why i said like oh he's hiring his buddies because they're gonna work well with them i don't think that's necessarily bad um it's sort of a good and a bad thing with microsoft because they seem to leave their teams alone and like Phil Spencer's like, do whatever you want to do, which, yeah. you know, you look at um, Double Fine, which is like, yeah, uh, Tim Schafer, just do whatever fucking weird shit you want to do, Tim. <laughs> fucking have fun. And it's great. And everyone and Tim, Tim Schafer's super happy and everyone's having a good time. But then you look at this and it's like, hey, do what you want to do. And then some of the people on the team are like, oh, we don't feel, you know, we don't like the way that this runs. But they're just like, well, like, you know, guys figure it out, I suppose. Because this is the way that we're letting people do what they want to do. So it's good and bad because, like, again, Tim Schafer works out well for this team. A lot, a lot of people didn't like it as much. Um, so we'll see. I'm not necessarily worried about the game because I think it'd still be good. Um, I mean, I was looking at like other examples like Uncharted 4, like their lead creative director and Amy Henning left in the, left in the middle of Uncharted 4 and that game still came out great. So yeah. I'm not worried about the quality necessarily. I just hope that, you know, if this works, then that's cool. But I, you know, I'm like with you. I'm like, if it seems like a crappy place to work because people don't, aren't getting the experience they want like that's not good but i mean i guess we'll see when the game comes out if if it worked or not because fucking let me tell you those first two tomb raider games fucking real good so yeah i don't know i guess we'll see i'm on both ways i'm not necessarily worried about the game i just hope that you know maybe this that this bet pays off in the end but i guess we'll have to wait a couple years and see either way so we will see oh my god look at this the last news story. It's a bummer. Oh, no. <laughs> Another E3, quote unquote, show canceled uh, from the person who hates holding the most, Cat Bailey at IGN.com. <laughs> uh, an EA representative shared the following statement uh, directly with IGN. Uh, this is from EA. Uh, we love EA Play Live uh, as it's our way of connecting with our players and sharing what's new with all of you. However, this year's. Things aren't lining up to show you everything on one date. We have exciting things happening at our world-class studios, and this year we'll reveal much more about these projects when the time is right for each of them. We look forward to spending time with you throughout the year. So, this basically saying, uh, yeah, we're not doing our E3 thing. We're just going to show you stuff whenever we decide to show you stuff. Basically, them like saying, hey, we're canceling that. Uh, yeah. EA traditionally hosted a press conference or broadcast in tandem with June's E3 event. Uh, beginning in 2016, EA turned the press conference into a live event called EA Play, where fans can try the publisher's upcoming lineup of games. Last year, due to COVID-19, uh, forced EA to shift to streaming only. Um, 
while live events are beginning to return, the summer schedule remains uncertain due to E3 2022 canceling its in-person event. Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest is the only one around because Jeff Keighley killed everybody else and took over for the <laughs> summer. So uh, just another big player canceling E3, like I said, quote unquote plans. Yeah. Um, uh, it makes sense if you don't have anything to show or you want to show it on a different time. They're like, oh, we can show Jedi Fallen Order in May the 4th and then we'll show sports stuff later. Like, why would you throw a thing in June? That's fucking stupid. Um, but I don't know. It's just E3. Oh, boy. E3's dead. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. There's so little people who were still did E3 and now EA is like, yeah, we're just going to do it on our own terms, which I don't I don't think that this gets fixed next year. I think they're like, oh, that worked out well for us. So yeah. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I I think this is just more... I honestly think this is a good thing. Like EA Play, it felt like it was always trying to be a smaller E3 for all EA things outside of regular E3. Because they even so they're even like, we will be at the same time as EA or of as E3. We'll be across the street from the convention in the center, lot. not yep. in our own. So I feel like being able, as you mentioned, to do things on their own schedule at their own time and their own way is fine. And honestly, I never felt like EA Play was enticing enough to warrant having three days of whatever they used to do over the weekend and showing live streams. Like, I only cared about usually like three or four minutes of material that came out of there, and it was a lot of other things that like. I, obviously, there are other thing games, sports games, stuff like that that come out that I don't I don't necessarily find interesting. But I feel like the announcements part of E3 of EA Play. God, this is gonna get confusing. The announcement part of EA, <laughs> EA Play, I felt, Play. Like, <laughs> I felt like we're so few and far between that like, yeah, you might as well just break them up. EA Play itself, I felt like they tried to make like an in-person cool, do this, like hang out with other people who enjoy, enjoy EA games and play them. But that's not what this is going to be. Like it, they are going to reveal information at their own pace, which is great. I also feel like Jeff Keighley heard the feedback about two years ago's Summer Games Fest and how scattered it was and how much of a bad experience that was and i feel like hopefully since it's returning this year i feel like hopefully it's going to be a more focused thing it's going to be like they've been doing the same thing with opening night live and the game awards like they understand that people want focused times for all of these things to come together and it feels like jeff Keeley is who people who game developers trust to do it well and so with e3 gone i feel like summer games Fest is just going to fill that void in hopefully a, a better way and so and it's a way where E3 started as an event where it's like, we are here to, to like show off what's coming for your stores to show, like you want to come to this event to learn what games do I have to show off for the holiday season this year? What new hardware? Like that's how E3 started for, for retailers. And then like it slowly kind of morphed into something. It was always this weird in between, but Summer Games Fest knows what it is. Like we're here to reveal games to the public and show off really cool things for the first time. And, and that's what it is. So I feel like him being able to, to craft that show from the beginning as whatever he wants it to be, it's going to be more successful than whatever E3 tried to morph itself into being. So honestly, I think all of this is good news for the, the video game industry and where we're, where we're headed. Yeah. Honestly, I think you could do E3 was so weird. Everyone left. So like last year, Sony didn't even show up around again. No one was actually at E3. Everyone's like, I guess we'll do a thing around it. Um, but like Sony did like, what was it? The, I think it was the Horizon one was like a week before uh, for Forbidden for Bid West. I think that whatever. I think that was at that show. Yeah. Whatever. I think the definitely did a showcase like months later. Yeah. Um, honestly, the only one who's really in Nintendo just does Rex when they fucking feel like it. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. The only people who really were there was like Microsoft 
But again, they also own the theater across the street. So it's like, yep. I guess we're part of E3. We're just doing it at the same time, but they're, they haven't been part of E3 really. And then it was just like Square Enix showing two games, which I mean, Guardians was cool. But outside of that, it was like this was it was a long show for nothing. Capcom yep. literally being like Resident Evil Village sold well. We'll give you DLC one day. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> or is this what we're doing now? Like, it's just it makes more sense, like you said, to have people have announcements at like a summer game, like let Jeff Keighley deal with it instead of everyone trying to put on a show, be like, Oh, there's a cool game to show, mm-hmm. send it there or do it on your own terms. Cause like with EA, you know, show us uh fallen order around, you know, around star Wars time, either celebration or may the fourth. And everyone will get excited for that. And then, you know, you can just release sports things in a fucking a month before the game comes out. Cause everyone's like, Oh shit. Everyone knows Madden FIFA's coming out. And the people who are interested, just show them videos like a month before and they'll buy the game. They're going to buy the game anyway. It doesn't matter. You do whatever you want. And then like Dead Space, just keep doing your developer diary thing, which are really, really cool. And then have us like a big trailer like around Halloween time and then get everyone excited for when it comes out in three months. Like there's no need to be like, all right, we have to do it in summertime because E3 is a thing that used to happen. Like I, I feel that's fucking stupid. So honestly, everyone should just go to this, you know, let Jeff Keighley do his thing, do his summer and do his fall thing. And... Everyone else just show stuff when you got something cool to show on your own terms. Like, we just watched a state of play from Sony that's not a Sony exclusive game, but mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, Hogwarts has got stuff to show. Here's a thing to show. And everyone's like, oh, cool, Hogwarts. And that's what everyone talked about in the news cycle for a couple of days because yep. it just makes more sense than they could hold it to E3. But, like, why? If you don't need to, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Whatever. Whew. That's it for me, though. That's everything. That's all the stories. We did a super awesome segment. Uh, so it's I think it's time for Game on for... Game Show. The Game on our Game Show. We play a game called Game on the Game Show on our Game Show. Game, 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 game. Adam, it's episode mm-hmm. 250 of Respawn Aim Fire. Big deal. Big deal. We've had uh, 250 main episodes. We've had plenty of like yeah. side quests and barf episodes, that kind of stuff, but 250 main episodes. So I wanted to uh, do something a little bit different this time. And do something crass. And we're going to time box. It's going to be a short game on game show. There's going to be a little bit of audience participation. Oh. But we're playing the video game poop game. <laughs> Great. Um, it's, a, it's a game. I don't know the origins of it, whether it's an internet thing or something that my friends and I made up in college or whatever it is. But it's a fun game I like to play sometimes while like waiting in line for a ride at an amusement park or something like that. It's the movie poop game where you... Think mm. of a movie, and you replace one of the words with poop. And that oh, okay. just leads to a good time. And people are you're trying All to figure right. out what the funniest movie title with the word poop in it. We're going to do the same thing, but with video games, mm-hmm. which is the twist. I want us to come up with what do we think in three minutes. I'm going to give us, I'm going to time box it at three minutes, or else we'll just continue coming up with the names forever. In three minutes, what are our top three contenders for funniest video game poop names? Huh. Okay. And then we're going to have a poll on Twitter, twitter.com slash respawning fire. And you all will vote on what the funniest video game poop name is. Okay. So replace one word with word poop. Replace one word in a game title with poop. So if you're, if you're like uncharted would just be poop, but uncharted a thief's end is uncharted a thief's poop. Or you can just say poop a thief's end because you you can say poop a thief's end. Exactly. You got it. You got it. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, I'm going to give us three go minutes ahead. starting yeah. now. Go for it. 
I'm going to go ahead and say the game that I played, The Dungeon of the Amulet of Chaos, just that whole ridiculous title, but Amulet of Poop. Boom, we're done. Amulet of Poop. Awesome. Perfect. What is it? Noika Boika? We don't know. Nobody knows. Nehulabuke. News with Amulet of Poop. Great. That's catchy. Destiny 2, Poop Queen. Oh, my God. That's a good one. The Poop Queen. Yep. Yep. Poop Queen. Oh, I like that. Um, Red Dead Poop 2, just because that sounds gross. <laughs> Red Dead Poop. That's so gross. That's like blood in your stool poop. Red Dead Poop Redemption. <laughs> no, wait, no, it's Red Dead Redemption. Redemption. So it's Red Dead Poop. Red Dead Poop 2. <laughs> or Red Dead Poop Undead Nightmare. Oh, God. Or Red Dead Redemption 2 Poop Nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Or just be Red Dead, comma, Poop Nightmare. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption Poop Nightmare. Poop That'd nightmare. be a good one, too. Um, uh, that's a solid Sa- uh, one. South see. Park, the stick of poop, the poop of truth. Poop of truth is good. Poop park, though, is fun to say. Poop park. <laughs> poop park. park. Stick of truth. Stick of truth. <laughs> no, okay, poop park, fractured butthole. I mean, it kind of, it kind of does Poops, it all for yeah, itself, doesn't it's kind it? Of, it's the whole package there. Yeah. Um, what are another video games that we play? Um, I'm just, there's so many one word titles. Super just, Mario like, Poop. <laughs> Super Mario Poop World. No, wait. Super Mario. Yeah, Poop would replace World. Campo Super Mario in the Poop All-Stars. Grand Theft Poop 5 online? Or instead of skate, online. it can be poop. <laughs> no, no, no. Super Mario Poop All-Stars. Super Mario Poop All-Stars. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's solid. Good. That's solid. And you get Super um, Mario Poop 1, Super Mario Poop 2, and the Lost Levels. Poop the Time Sweeper. <laughs> <laughs> or blinks oh fuck blinks the poop sweeper blinks the poop cat is that no it's blinks the time sweepers the game oh blinks the cat so blinks, blinks the poop sweeper you're right you're right there's blinks no blinks the, the cat sweeper. it's just blinks Come all on. right we've got about a minute left about a minute left of brainstorming okay phase. uh what are some other good ones we can do baldur's poop three <laughs> Instead poop of gate. Gate it's like pizza gate but poop like there's yeah, poop, poop in the gate. bottom of the pizza basement poop gate three just boulder gate one just poop gate poop gate there it is <laughs> um there's gotta be oh cooking poop instead of cooking mama <laughs> cooking poop cooking poop with mama <laughs> yeah cooking poop with mama there's gotta be a cooking mama like subtitle there's gotta be a game with a crazy subtitle so cooking poop and find the craziest cooking mama subtitle Okay. It's like okay. cooking poop, you know, pancake express or something nonsensical. <laughs> There's got to be something good out there. I think cooking poop and a good subtitle should be absolutely on that list. Cooking I'll, poop. I'll look okay. up cooking mama subtitles. Okay. Okay. We'll figure it um, out. We've hit our three minutes. Okay. I. Uh, that's gonna be tough to beat, but we'll we'll have to see what people vote on. Cooking poop. <laughs> cooking poop and a subtitle. We'll figure it out in a second. Okay. I'll figure okay. it out in a second. Let you know. Um. So of of everything that we've brainstormed so far, what do you think our top three mm-hmm. contenders are? Obviously, cooking poop is in there. I think cooking poop is absolutely up there. What What do yep. you think? Um. God, I feel like I've already forgotten everything we said in three minutes. There was the Red Dead Poop Undead Nightmare. Oh yes, Red De- Red Dead Redemption Poop Nightmare. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption Poop Nightmare. Yeah, that's what. It is. <laughs> Um, okay um there was the weird game that i played just dungeon of whatever whatever whatever, 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 the amulet of poop 
Um, I'm going to rule that one out just because that title is way too long for a Twitter poll. It only it's ridiculous. Yeah, 15 you're, characters. you're probably right. Yeah. Um, what about the South Park one that you said? Oh, yeah. South Park, the... Or Poop Park, the, the Fractured Butthole or whatever. Oh, Poop Park. Or Poop, poop Park. Truth, whatever you want to do. Poop Park, the Fractured... That's it. Poop Park, Fractured Butthole. Okay. I think that's our three. Okay. So no, the, the Mario one. No, no, we got to do the Mario one. <gasps> Super Mario, Mario Poop. The Red Dead. Super Mario Poop All-Stars. Mario Poop All-Stars. Yeah. Super Mario Poop All-Stars. Red Dead Redemption Poop Nightmare. And <laughs> what was it going to Oh, Cooking Cook Poop. Cooking Poop. <laughs> and I'll find the subtitle in a second. <laughs> write it down Perfect. so we don't lose it. I'm going to write you it here under to it, I what I played. Cooking Poop. Subtitle incoming. Dead. Redemption. Redemption. Poop, poop nightmare. Nightmare. Super, Super Mario. Mario poop. Poop all stars. All stars. All right, we got it. We got it. Very nice. That's a that's a that's a great wholesome family fun game that you can watch on HBO Max in the comfort of yeah. Your watch with your family. family. <laughs> uh, you can play it while waiting for the commercial break. If you still get commercials or. If you're going to a theme park and you're standing in line for an attraction, it's a great, great game to play. I like it. And that's it for Game on Game Show. And that is it for our podcast this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You have homework, as always. You can go to patreon.com slash respawn in fire if you would like to become a patron of our show. One dollar unlocks everything we have to offer, including the ability to vote on what games we play for our barf segment each month, which is backlog accomplishment with respawn and friends. Uh, where we play a game, you all choose from a list of games that we've got, you vote on which one you want us to play, and then we play it and talk about it at the end of the month. You can play along with us, and you can even be on the show if you want to uh, reach out to us and let us know. This month's barf is Coffee Talk. It's available on pretty much everything. It's like a three or four hour game. It's all about dating and making coffee and all that kind of stuff in a, with a bunch of weird races of creatures i guess they're not even people they're creatures all sorts of fun shenanigans to be had so looking forward to playing that we'll talk about that at the end of the month um anything you want to plug adam anything coming up with uh misfit rolls uh it just goes live on tuesday nights on twitch.tv slash misfit rolls we're going through season two right now and on podcast services so if you want to there's a recap of season one and then you can just jump in right now and we're having a good time doing that live it's very fun I'll miss it rolls. Check it out. Everybody. Yeah. All right. And then reminder, go to twitter.com slash responding fire and vote on the poll. I'm going to leave it up all the way until next Sunday night. So I'll leave that up for you all to vote. What is the best poop title? for The video game poop game. All right, everyone. That's it. Until next time, here's our usual sign off. Sucking on a chili dog, 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 sucking on a chili dog.